Hello, dear listeners. James Barnett here, creator and producer of the Night's End podcast. Thank you for being here. We are truly humbled that you keep coming back week after week to listen to these stories. Also, a big thank you to all the talented writers that contribute. We couldn't do this without either of you. Robert Piatone, who wrote Elevator of the Dead from a couple of weeks ago, has graciously offered up a signed copy of his newest release to one lucky listener. It's called Her Infernal Name and Other Nightmares, and is an anthology guaranteed to give you the chills. To enter, all you had to do was leave a review for the podcast. Now, I have all these names written down in a hat in front of me. Uh, Let's draw one out, shall we? Okay. And the winner is... Mormy. Congratulations, Mormy. Please email us here at the podcast at theeditor at nightsendpodcast.com with your mailing address and you'll have a very frightening book coming your way. Big thank you to everyone that entered. For more details about Robert, head over to www.spookyhousepress.com. And finally, before we get into the episode, if you know someone that loves a good story, please tell them about us. It helps us more than you know. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy the episode. Hello. Can you hear me? Make sure you take the right door on your way down. There's no telling where you'll end up. Make it through. To the night's end. I'll see you found our lost children wing. Not every mother can handle children like these. (laughs) That's how they end up here, ready for adoption. Say, would you want one? No, (laughs) I didn't think so. Anyway, got a great tale for you today. Drifting, written by Ian A. Bain. Squatting on the porch steps, Danny is playing video games on his handheld when the batteries burn out. Dad, I need batteries. You'll have to wait till tomorrow. I'm not going back into town today. Danny sighs. There's nothing else to do here though. You live on a lake, Danny. Don't be so spoiled. You can fish or swim or take the boat out. Use your imagination. What's that? Danny asks. What? Dad's not paying attention. That? Danny insists. He jumps up and down. Where? Dad says, finally looking up from his phone. There! Danny points furiously, reaching out as if he can touch the island drifting across the lake. At first, Dad pretends not to see. Then, burrowing his bushy brows and stroking stubble, he smiles sheepishly. 
Ah, I see it now. The bog. The bog? In the swamp, chunks of shore let go from the land. They float away on the current, looking for a new home. Sometimes they're small, boat-sized like that one. But I've heard of a bog three miles long that blocked off entire rivers. How come I've never seen one? Danny asks. He's grown up on the lake his whole life and never seen an island that moves. Well, usually they break off from the swamp at the other side of the lake. And the way the water flows, it pushes any bogs downriver. Can we go see it? Sure, Dad says. Should be enough time before dark. They carry the canoe from the house to the beach. Danny's feet move as fast as the roadrunners. Carrying the front of the boat, he slips on some mud and falls. Easy, buddy, Dad says. We'll get to it. No need to get too amped up. Danny and Dad get the front of the canoe, bow, Danny remembers, into the shallow water. They pull their life jackets and paddles from the bottom of the boat. Danny, did you do up your life jacket? (sighs) Danny sighs and glares. I'm not a baby. Dad lifts his hands in surrender. Sorry, you're right. Lead the way, Captain Dan. Danny smiles and hops in the front of the boat. First mate Dad, he calls. Eve ho. Dad pushes the canoe forwards like the bobsled guys at the Olympics. He jumps into the back, making the front end lift like a red water monster. The vessel scares the bullfrogs from their lily pad perches. The only ripples on the lake's surface are from the dip of their oars and the fish rising from their water world to feed on fresh flies. Danny leans over the side of the canoe. He giggles at the way the fish's mouths open and close. Easy there, Danny. Lean too far and you'll tip us over. Danny sits up straight. Dad steers the boat into the green and brown mass. It's so much bigger than it looked from the shore, Danny says. A tiny sapling sits dead centre of the bog. Dad, how can a tree grow on the bog if it's just water underneath? You'd be surprised how resilient trees are. There isn't a chance in hell of it growing into a big, strong adult, but I bet it'll live a good while on the bog. And once it lands somewhere, the root will find soil and it can grow. Huh. Unimpressed. I don't know. Just thought it'd be cooler. Danny leads over the side of the boat again. The bog's roots dangle and dance underwater. It's like they're reaching for the boat. Danny wrinkles his nose. It stinks like a swamp. Well, it is like a mini swamp. About time to head back? Danny nods. The sky darkens. Danny shivers, even though it's still warm. Dad dips his paddle into the water. The boat rocks hard to the right, then the left. Danny, what did I say about leaning over the edge? I didn't. The boat rocks again, harder this time. Danny, stop it. That wasn't me. The canoe turns so hard that the right side points to the sky. Danny grabs the edge of the boat. Dad falls into the water. Dad! The canoe rides itself. Danny refuses to lean over the edge. The canoe tips again, this time, the left side pointing skyward. He tries to hold on, but the canoe flips all the way over. Danny tumbles into the water, trapped between the canoe and the bog. Don't panic. I can swim. I'm a good swimmer. But where's the surface? He swims upwards. Danny's head squishes into the bog's underbelly. Desperate, Danny pushes into the bog's squishy underside. Maybe I can go through it. Inside the muck, things move around his head and hands. Tentacles squirm, weaving in and out of his hair. 
becoming rigid and pulling at his scalp. I'm stuck. I can't breathe. I'm going to drown. No, no. Dad says. If you panic in an emergency, you die. Take a breath. No, not a breath. But take a second. Calm down. Okay. Swim down. Slowly. So the roots don't pull out my hair. He dives until his lungs are ready to pop, then kicks and pulls as hard as he can, reaching for the disappearing sunlight. Hacking and coughing, Danny breaches the surface. The bog is ten feet away. Gasping, he searches for his father. Dad! He cries over and over. Dad! The bog floats towards him. But the current is going the other way. Danny stops calling and swims for shore. Fast. Manically. His eyes shut. A minute later, his head sinks into the shore's peaty mud. The sun is almost gone. He turns his head. The bog is coming for him. I'm on land now. I should be safe. But the bulk of grass and roots and one sapling at its centre reaches the beach. Its roots slither along and sink below the sand, pulling the bog out of the water. Two massive root arms push the bog upwards, so its sapling points at the lake instead of the sky. The bog's muddy underside aims towards the house. Skulls, skeletons, and the eyeballs of everything it's ever devoured are revealed. The mud falls away from its underbelly. Roots twist together to form tree-thick legs, and the bog stands, walking like a robot, or a baby, or Danny's uncle Tony after too many beers. Tearing off his life jacket, Danny runs into the house, looking for something, anything he can use to defend himself. It can walk. I'm sure I can outrun it. But for how long? I can probably run to the neighbours before it gets me. But will they believe me in time to drive me away? What if this thing can go on forever? What if I somehow run all the way to Florida and it still finds me there? Danny rummages through the kitchen drawers, not sure what he's after. He glances at the bog through the window. Mud drops from the beast as it lumbers from the beach and into the backyard. What would Dad do? Use your imagination, he told me. Danny throws open the screen door, smacks against the side of the house. He strides to the shed, his arms full, opens the rotting door and drops what he's carrying on the wooden floor. He grabs a red gas can from the back of the shed. He tears open a bag of cheap balloons which go flying around the small hut. Taking the balloon that landed on his shoulder, Danny fills it from the gas can. He ties the balloon off and snatches Dad's bow. Hanging from a nail in the wall, a stick breaks outside. Danny turns. The bog. I'm running out of time. There isn't much sunlight left. The shed is a disaster. He can't find what he needs. Danny whips old beach chairs and water toys around. There it is. Danny grasps it and hurdles out of the shed. Hey, swamp breath. Danny calls. The bog halts. Danny dips his only arrow into the gas can, accidentally knocking it over and spilling gasoline on the grass. No time to worry about that. In a warrior's stance, Danny rests the arrow on the bow's sight, pulls a barbecue lighter from the pocket of his shorts and flicks it. No flame. The bog ambles closer. Come on, come on. Danny flicks the lighter furiously. It's almost here. Light, light. Danny's eyes blur with tears. 
Come on, you stupid goddamn no good. A tiny flame sparks. Danny holds it to the tip of his arrow. The arrow catches fire. Danny draws his bowstring. His body shakes. He uses every bit of strength to hold the flaming arrow still. I can't hold this for long. With its hands made of squirming roots, the bog claws mud away from its underbelly to uncover Dad's face. Dad slids open. His eyes are lifeless. Come on, son. Come see the bog. Come touch the bog. Come be part of the bog. It isn't Dad's voice coming from his mouth. Danny lets the bow go slack, the flaming arrow still perched on the sight. That's a good boy, says Dad's head. Now, just put down the arrow and come over here. Danny begins circling the bog, not letting it get too close. You wouldn't want to hurt your old daddy, would you? Danny had never called Dad daddy before. Well, maybe when I was really little. Just put down the arrow and give me a hug. Danny's foot hits the back porch steps. He looks down and sees his handheld console. Without thinking, Danny whips the plastic device at the bog. It smashes to pieces on Dad's forehead. Dad's head cries. You little shit. Get over here. You're not my dad. Danny lets the burning arrow fly. It strikes the bog above his father's head. The bog takes another step forward. Time for his backup plan. Danny drops the bow and tosses the water balloon. The rubber pops on a root. Gasoline splashes onto the bog. The swampy nightmare explodes into flames. Wait. It's still zombie walking towards Danny. Dad's head melting in the fireball. Other skulls stuck in the bog's underside shriek in pain. The plants turn to char and fall away. The mud hardens, but the bog keeps coming. Danny backs away, his soaked shirt stuck to his skin. Eyes wide, heart pounding. How the hell is it still walking? The skull's shrieking intensifies. Danny runs towards the driveway and covers his ears. It's like one of Dad's rusty drill bits is being twisted slowly past his ears and into his brain. The bog's flaming root feet step on the gas-covered grass. Blue fire spreads across the lawn. Still running, he unplugs his ears and glances back. The shed is already completely covered in flames. The fire licks at the trees on the edge of the property. Before long, they'll all be ablaze. The house will burn down. The only home I've ever had. Then the whole forest. The whole earth could catch fire like when Mr. Richards blew up the globe in science class. By the time he's reached the end of the driveway, the fire has gobbled up half the trees lining the path. The bog has finally fallen, lying in the driveway, shriveling into a fire-hardened ball. When the fire reaches the mailbox, it finally occurs to Danny that Dad's gone, and I killed him. If I hadn't figured out how to burn the damn thing down, maybe he could have lived on inside the bog. Yeah, like that would have been any better. If I hadn't have burned the thing down, it would have killed us both. Bowling. Danny decides to run to his neighbours. I hope I can beat the fire. Danny turns back, one last time. Is that a flick of flame? Or a root, trying to pull the bog back up? You've been listening to the Night's End Podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. 
Drifting was written by Ian A. Bain, who is a writer of dark fiction living in Muskoka, Ontario. Ian can be stalked at Twitter at at B-A-I-N-W-R-I-T-E-S, at Bain Writes. You can also check out his blog, where he reviews horror media, at ianabain.wordpress.com. If you have any feedback or suggestions for the podcast, please email us at theeditor at nightsendpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Stay horrific, everyone. <laughs>